Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds to your word. Um, the first scripture reading is from Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104 in the New Revised Standard Version. If you'd like to follow along with it, it is on page 568 in your um, Bibles. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The word of the Lord.
is shaking. Wow, beautiful choir. And I, I, I want to say that's the largest choir I think I've seen here ever. Uh, wow, amazing. Good work this morning, everyone. What powerful music for us. <clears throat> All right. Well, we have shouted for joy to the Lord, and now let's turn to God in worship. Would you pray with me? God, may we hear your word this morning. May it speak to the depths of our being, the ways that you call us to be the place of your presence, to be vessels, to be your temple. Lord, the assurance of that, the covenant that you make with us, a new way that you have started in us through Christ. Lord, may Christ reign among us as we gather around your word this morning. And may we put aside and let go of all the things that have held us back as we approach you in worship and praise and in lives of mission and service. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing on in this next few weeks uh, in a series of readings from the prophets. And so today our second scripture reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 27 through 34. The word of the Lord says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with seeds of humans and the seeds of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow and destroy and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes, and their children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die to their own sins, and the teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. My friends, this is a message of hope. It is sowing new seeds in the houses of Israel and Judah. Now with each of these texts, we will be studying together this month. We will hear the way that the prophets spoke both truth and hope to God's people. The prophets speak a word of truth about what God's people must relinquish, must let go of and turn from. Now, if we fool ourselves into believing that we have nothing that we must turn from and relinquish, then I hope that the truth-telling words of the prophets wake us up. The prophets then speak a word of hope 
from what comes after relinquishing is that we receive. The truth-telling leads to hope receiving. We receive a promise of new life, a restored covenant, a promised land returned when we receive the word of God's hope through the mouth of the prophets. Now the people are in exile. The kingdoms remain divided. And yet the prophet Jeremiah speaks words of truth and hope that set up a coming reality where the Lord will restore the promise to God's people. The problem for the people in exile is that they have eaten sour grapes and their teeth are set on edge. Now I ran a race yesterday out on a trail, Blanchard Mountain. At a couple of key junctures along the trail, there are aid stations where you can get water and Gatorade and snacks. And I came upon an aid station at the top of Blanchard Mountain at the Overlook. If you've ever been up there, it's one of the most beautiful views of the bay and the islands that you can get in our whole county. And what I did is at the station, I grabbed a bunch of grapes and I continued on. And guess what? As I bit into that first handful of grapes, they were seedy and they were sour. <laughs> Do you know that sensation when you chew on a seedy grape and it gets all up in your teeth and your mouth feels all gritty and the fruit was so wonderful for my body and yet I'm sticking like my fingers in my mouth trying to get these pieces out as I go back down the trail. While I appreciated what was given, I found myself spitting for the next couple hundred yards. <laughs> my teeth were set on edge. Now, isn't this a rich metaphor? Because when it's applied to negative feelings and sadness that the people experience in response to breaking the covenant with God and the resulting exile, it's that sense that the idyllic life of the promised land has turned into something gritty in between their teeth. My mind had made a covenant with those grapes before I put them in my mouth. And they looked so good. But the covenant was broken when I found out that I was chewing on seeds. Now, I know there are proper ways to eat those kind of grapes, but I was in, I was in a, a sense of needing to keep moving. So... I want to ask, what must be relinquished in this passage? What is the prophet telling the people that they must leave behind or let go of in order to receive God's hope? The text, as I said earlier, is hopeful, but throughout it we hear a reminder of the old mistakes made by God's people, old covenants broken, like a marriage betrayal. Now consider how often our covenants are broken in our world today. Marriage covenants, broken. A per parenting coven covenant, broken when a father doesn't keep his promises. A friendship covenant, broken when they don't show up when you need them. We witness many broken covenants in our world. How about the broken covenant of humanity with creation? where we let our greed and quest for power overtake the call to steward and care for the environment. A broken covenant with our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to steward the world in the future. 
For this week, we're reminded of broken covenants in our nation. We witness the tension between what was historically regarded as Columbus Day and the emerging celebrations of Indigenous Peoples Day, marking broken covenants of the colonizers with the people who occupied our land before they arrived? Or how about the broken covenant that we've seen in the news so much the last couple of weeks? The U.S. breaking covenant with the Kurdish people, leaving them to be slaughtered by invaders from Turkey. A covenant that lasted only as long as it was in our best interest. We see broken covenants on our streets as people of color question whether they are safe or whether they will be harmed by those who are sworn to protect us. We say, Lord, have mercy. And to this, the prophet speaks a word of truth. People, you have broken your covenants with the Lord. We break covenants. I'm certain, no matter the scale or magnitude, that each one of us has broken a covenant at one point or another. With each other, with ourselves, and with God. And we have to hear this truth. We have to acknowledge this truth. Or else we remain with sour grapes and grit in our teeth, not receiving anything new, but spitting and complaining. But as I said at the beginning, this ultimately is a passage of hope. Jeremiah names the broken covenant of God's people as they came out of Egypt. And we must name the places where we witness the perpetrators of covenants broken. This is a space, as I said earlier, for us to confess. We tell the truth. We hear the truth about what it is and what it could be and what it is not. And then we receive grace. So here we make the turn. Covenants are broken, yes. But confession and grace open up a whole new world of possibility and promise. From the beginning of this passage, we have heard that God is up to something, that God is sowing new seeds of humanity and animals. And let's just pause for a moment there to recognize something. A culture that understood its strength and wealth to come from the collective numbers and number of property that they had, both uh, animals as well as the size of their families, that would sure be good news to hear that new sprouts might be coming up out of the proverbial ground, sowing new life in the form of humans and animals. And especially this is exciting because that new ground would be sown in the houses of Israel and Judah, not in a promise that they would return to the land. As we remember last week, the instruction was to make homes and plant gardens while in exile. The hope is rising up right where they are, new lines from the houses of Israel and Judah. No longer is the law going to be situated in the central place of worship in Jerusalem, but instead there is a hope that the new law will be internalized in the people. So now we turn towards what is being received in this message of hope. What, once we have confessed 
the breaking of covenants? What fills the space that has opened up when we let go of that weight? The covenant, the agreement with God, something externalized and related to the place the people lived, the promised land, has broken down. Exile to the members of Israel meant being cut off from the central site of worship, of meaning-making, the law and ordering of society. It would be similar for Americans to see the Constitution torn up and our leaders and lawmakers flagrantly ignoring the social contracts and covenants and laws that have upheld the structure of our country for history. Can you imagine how jarring that would be? Can you imagine the feeling of betrayal and confusion that would cause? Can you imagine what it would be like to feel the core place of our common, shared life with others undermined, destroyed, ignored, desecrated? Can you imagine? And so for the people in exile, the message of hope that they must receive is that the law is going to come to rest upon them. The law which so intimately binds together the whole social fabric of Jewish society. The covenant that had been broken when they entered exile. It would now be growing up within them. They would know the Lord intimately in their own hearts. The covenant would no longer need to be this external document carved in stones, but rather an ethic that abided inside with them, committed to within their being. Now, so what does this mean for us? It's very safe to say that all covenants and agreements in our society are being questioned, undermined, ignored, defamed in one way or another. And for the people of Jesus, though, we are invited to share in a life together, an ethic in which we find our hope not in external contracts, but in the shared living presence of God in our hearts, our being, our souls. The new covenant given to us and the good news for all the world is that the glory of the Lord has now found its resting place in us. We are called and we are offered the capacity to be the place of God's dwelling. And so the external broken covenants, they're simply markers, remnants, ruins of a way that we acknowledge that has and is and will always break down. Instead, we make a covenant with each other and with God to share in a more intimate presence. And to hearken back to last week, we make a covenant with God to share and encounter and be haunted by the Holy Ghost, the one whose presence binds us together as we gather and dwells among us here and now. So let's bring this on home. Friends, it is time to name the truth that we have broken covenants, relationships with each other and with God. It is time for us to confess this. 
and to keep confessing it as we stumble our way forward together. It is time to stop accepting the breaking of covenants, the defaming of laws, the shattering of treaties, and to speak the truth to all that would ruin and harm this kind of life together. The, the way of breaking covenants is mistaken. We have to speak up and say that it is sinful, that it is evil, that it is wrong, and that it harms the ways we share life together. And it is time to receive a new law upon our hearts. The presence of God's Spirit in us, shared and moving between us, that inspires us to act in love and grace and mercy and kindness and joy and welcome and peace. It is time to let that law dwell, not somewhere outside of us, memorialized in documents or in social agreements that others make on our behalf. But it is rather time to let that law dwell on our hearts, forming us into the kind of people who do not break with one another, to the kind of people who find their home together here and now, to be the kind of people who experience God's joy and goodness as their first love, their first breath, their first cry of hope. Friends, that is who we are. It is time for us to claim that. That is who the prophet is calling us to be as we are planted and we grow in God's presence. This is the new covenant that we find in Jesus Christ in our life together. May it be so among us. Let us pray. God, we ask that you would write your law upon our hearts, that you would form us into your people who receive that law do not need to teach it to each other, but simply know it as an ethic of sharing in the good life together. We ask that we might be a picture of that here today in this community. A picture of people who covenant in new ways with one another, in the spirit of your people, in your presence of loving kindness with us. May it be so, O Lord. Amen.